Um, I want to read something. This is from the book, Chase the Lion. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be challenging the men to go through this at some point this year, maybe, maybe the first thing. I don't know when, whenever I do the men's Bible study starting in September. I just read this this morning uh, in, my, in my devotional time. Here's what he said. One of the biggest mistakes we make is thinking in terms of one generation. It's not only short-sighted, it's also selfish. We think that what God does for us is for us, but it isn't. It never has been. It's for the third and fourth generations. We think right here, right now, God is thinking nations. God is thinking generations. The key to dreaming big is thinking long, and, bigger, and the bigger the dream, the longer the timeline. If you're thinking in terms of eternity, you should, have some, you should have some dreams that can't be accomplished in your lifetimes. When we started New Life, one of the things that Janie and I said is we want to build a church that our children can come to, that they can learn about, and then carry that on. It, that was too small. I told Caleb the other day, I said, we're building New Life for, for Wayland, for Wayland's children, for generations. And we can't do that by ourselves. We need other folks who, who share that dream and, and want to be a part of it. Listen to this. Before the Battle of Long Island, General George Washington reminded his troops whom they were fighting for. It wasn't just for their freedom as first-generation Americans. The fate of unborn millions now will depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. That's a pretty good way to start a speech, isn't it? 150 years later, Abraham Lincoln was, try, uh, was trying to get the 13th Amendment, which would abolish slavery through Congress. Two vo votes short, Lincoln appealed to the Republican caucus. The abolition of slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all time, not only of the millions now in bondage, but of the unborn millions to come, a measure of such importance that those two votes must be procured. He said, it's not just for now, it's for the future. Unborn millions. Washington and Lincoln had their eyes on the third and fourth generations. That's who they were fighting for. Their dream wasn't about them. It was about the next generation, the generation after that. Just as Washington and Lincoln were fighting for the next generation of Americans, David and his mighty men were fighting for the next generation of Jews. A kingdom hung in the balance. I can hear David's inspiring his men with the same words George Washington used to inspire the Continental Army. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or to die. Like our founding fathers, David's mighty men, Mutually pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor to their cause, their calling, and the rest is history. Their heroic deeds are long remembered, long considered. Here's, here's the point. What are you doing today that will make a difference 100 years from now? Brad, Heather, y'all come on up here. So today uh, I'm going to be interviewing Brad and Heather Doherty. Brad is the Director of Programming and Ministry at Lakeview Camp. Um, I don't care where y'all sit. Um, this one's Rachel's and Brad's got mine. Uh, so what they did was several, they've been coming to our church a couple years, three years. I don't know. I lose track. Some of y'all, I'll say, how long you been here? Like 10 years. I'm like, really? Decades fly when you're having fun in church work. But they've been coming to our church. Um, and, and when you first came, Brad brought up to me, he said, man, I'd like to do some tiny houses where, where, you know, you could, you could put folks in them that are in transition. Anyway, long story. I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much time, but he, he said that to me. And so then recently they started this organization called happy trailers. Um, and what they do is they purchase a trailer, go ahead and put uh, the, that first picture up there. If you would, Nate. So this is a travel trailer that they purchased. It's the first one that they had. Brad is the, the what is your position with Happy Trailers? Uh, the president. Right? President. Yeah, She's executive. Board president. president. You're board president. Yes. You're kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hiring, firing. And then Heather, Heather has her degree in counseling from, from Texas. 
from, from Liberty, actually. Liberty, yeah. from Liberty. Um, and so she is the executive director. That's correct of happy trailers now so so what i want you to do is i want you to hear their hearts how this came up how did you get the ideas how did it go from tiny homes to trailers and and kind of share that story of what you went through yep so um so heather and i have been doing foster care for about 10 years now started in oklahoma and then transitioned when we were here um, we started with younger kids and then eventually we're fostering older kids and so just through our kind of experience with kids and seeing them after they leave care, the idea came up that these kids, when they transition, um, they don't have the normal support system that me and Heather were lucky to have and that many of us were able to have. Um, and so the idea started with specifically tiny homes because um, a big part of what we do is we want these kids to have something to really be proud of. And so we don't want, we didn't want to just put them somewhere, um, but they needed somewhere to go. And so it started with tiny homes and then we really quickly realized that financially that was going to be very difficult. And so it transitioned from there to the trailers just, um, more for financial reasons than anything. But, um, but the kids, when you look at statistically, the kids that are graduating, or not graduating, but phasing out of foster care, so aging out when they turn 18, uh, which is 10% of all foster care age out annually, um, over half of them are homeless within two years. And so the idea started that we, they need to have somewhere to go and they need the continued support system. I am 36 years old and within the last year I had to call my mom and ask her what blood type I am, right? And so it continues way past when you're 18. Now something he told me, uh, so let's go back just a little bit. You said that uh, when we were talking the other day that 25% of those kids that are in foster care are homeless the day they, they turn 18. Yes. And then 50% within two years. And, and to me, when he said that, it shocked me and I thought this is unacceptable. They thought it was unacceptable. So they have, they have a, a young woman who, who is now their daughter that went through foster care with them. They just adopted her. She's 21. Yep. Talk a little bit about that. All right. Um, well, backstory is we started foster care. Can I go ahead and give this sure. back for you? Okay. I don't know if this was a later thing. So we started foster care um, a little bit earlier than we had planned. We, we had always known that that was something that we wanted to do eventually, but God kind of shook up our plans with infertility. And so we entered foster care um, expecting to just kind of do young kids I think we were licensed through age 10. I think we said zero to 10. So we did have some a little bit older. Um, we'd had several placements and then we ended up getting pregnant and having our own biological child. And during that whole mix, I mean, you hear those, those messages quite often that it's not acceptable to have older kids when you also have younger kids because there are risks there. It's too dangerous. It's too risky. Uh, for your own kids. And so I think those messages had filtered in enough that that, that's kind of what we thought we would do is wait. Um, But God kind of had different plans and he kind of just plopped um, our now daughter, Jacelyn, into our lives. Um, It was supposed to be a temporary one night placement. Um, She was living in a shelter and I got a call from a caseworker I knew well and just, she knew I would say yes to one night. We just need one night. Um, So just there was a fight at the shelter. She just needs some space for one night. And then um, the rest was history. And so we ended up um, asking for her to stay. And so she stayed and became a very special part of our lives starting when she was 15. And so that's how she came into our life. And, and since then we had continued to foster a few other older girls 
And so through our own personal experiences and realizing just how hard it is, and especially watching her transition into adulthood, gosh, you're like, you can't do it by yourself, you know? Um, we had to fight for her to get her permit. Brad had to fight for her to get her permit to try to start learning how to drive. Um, once she turned 18, the state had lost her social security card. You can't get a job without a social security card. Um, she couldn't navigate that system alone. And so just every little step that's a fight along the way that these kids need parents, they need adults in their lives to be able to help with that process. And so that's really just walking beside her and years of, of seeing the failures of the system and how systems aren't supposed to raise kids. Um, we just kind of felt like this was something God had put on our hearts. So that's kind of Nate, find the picture of all the children, all their kids there. So, so y'all are in your mid-30s. Y'all now have six children. Their oldest is 21. Um, Rebecca is, how old is Rebecca? 14. 14. And so you have four kids. Uh, I don't, maybe I didn't get that one on there. There's one just with all the kids in there standing together somewhere. Okay, didn't get that on there. So they, these are the people who drive around in a 15-passenger van just for, I'm not making it up, like the vans we rent. FedEx when you see the van. You think of FedEx. <laughs> we, we rent vans to go on youth trips. They have a van, a 15-passenger van, just to carry it's their children vehicle, around town. by the way. It's a what? It's a great vehicle. It's a great vehicle. Yes. It, is, it is not your typical mom car, is it? Um, so they have two biologicals and, and four um, children that they have adopted, the oldest being 21. Okay, so, um, so we get this first trailer. You got this first trailer, and, and you had no funding. You had no support whatsoever. You just kind of put something on Facebook. Tell us what happened when you bought the first trailer and how you got it stocked. We're just going to kind of cycle through some of the pictures okay. of stocking the trailer. Well, first the idea had been with Brad for a while and he had, we had talked about it. There'd been some conversations and some ideas like this might happen someday. Um, so, but we just never kind of pressed the gas on it until, and, and he had already had the camper. He was kind of getting that prepared. Um, like this might happen someday. And then the need showed up and we through a friend, um, that, knew a girl that had foster care background and anyhow the need was there very suddenly and so we just pressed the gas very quickly and this thing um, that had been an idea just kind of became a reality within a couple weeks maybe you were ready to start well no I was just going to say that but then so, yeah so essentially um, we had the, the idea for a long time and then we committed to doing it without really much preparation other than a trailer. And actually the trailer I had at the time is not the one that we put her in. We ended up having to get something different. But anyway, so we knew she was coming and so then it was, you know, game on. And so essentially we got a trailer and started to get it ready, did repairs and things like that. And then really just put the idea of what we were doing out there on Facebook. We were hoping to get some pots and pans from someone donated and things like that. And it was it was really cool how people from our background, from our from my camp life and um, family and such from all across the state um, kind of latched onto the idea and started to want to be involved with it through donations and and not just things. this state you said it came from all across yeah, the I nation 30 states 30 states that, got involved with the first trailer season. right since then they have gotten their 501c3 and so they are a nonprofit organization um, you can go to their website you can see the story you can read all of the different things that that they've been doing um, so, so you found your first candidate because somebody contacted you. How many candidates have you had go through at this point? We've had three um, young adult women go through for varying lengths of time. Um, and 
success is going to look very different for every person, and it doesn't necessarily look like success sometimes um, with these young adults because they've been through a lot. But we've had three, one for about three months and then the other two about a little, little bit over a month. Tell about the process. What is the application process? How do they get into your program? Mm -hmm. So basically they just have to have a history in foster care. Um, a lot of, some of these kids have aged out of the system, but a lot of kids in foster care also as young adults, um, I mean as, as older teens in foster care, somehow managed to get out of the system before they officially age out. The state of Texas and, and a, a good half of states probably now do have some support for kids who have aged out of care. They have to sign up to stay in extended foster care, which a lot of kids just don't want to do because a lot of kids don't want caseworkers visiting once a week still. They don't, I mean, it's, they've felt like they've been in a system their entire life and they just want out. So there are kids that don't get the support they need because they're just tired of it. Um, there's other kids that find their way out of the system. Um, we know kids personally that have, you know, CPS is kind of, they've run away from foster homes. They've done things in their past where CPS is like, fine, we'll just give custody to your great aunt and just call the day. And so they don't age out of foster care. They have a placement, right? But they don't really have the support that it takes. And so. You know, there's a variety of kids that, for whatever reason, don't have any support as young adults. And so those are really the kids that have fallen between the, the cracks that we want to be able to reach as young adults. So they apply, and then how do you, mm -hmm. what are your expectations of, of a, a young person coming into so your program? So what we do, the, the trailer, and when Brad said reaching out for support, we, we provide a fully stocked trailer because most of these kiddos, young adults, don't really have much of anything. Um, and so to be able to live and try to be a, an adult and get a job and all those things, um, we have to provide a, a way for them to feel safe and secure. I mean, if you don't have food, um, you're not going to be able to function. You're not going to be able to get a job. You're not going to be able to focus on your education, any of those things. And so that's the first thing is they, once they apply, they know that they're getting to move into a trailer that will have their needs met, um, their basic clothing needs, food, toiletries, um, you know, rent, rent for a for month and a half for, for six weeks. Yeah. We have six weeks of rent paid for them, their electricity, everything. So they, they're just in the program for the first six weeks, getting their feet on the ground, um, trying to learn some skills, work on resume building, work on job applications. Um, and kind of some relational things as well. But we sit down at the very beginning and we set about 10 goals together across a variety of topics. Um, we set job goals, educational goals, spiritual goals, um, self-care, um, transportation, housing goals. So kind of these long-term, where do you wanna be in these categories within the next year or two? And then each week, we look at those and kind of break it down and set weekly goals that we, we meet with them and kind of set these expectations one week at a time, little things we can do to work towards those goals and just kind of help them take little steps to move forward. And so sometimes step one might be um, getting a haircut because we don't look presentable for a job or it might be um, just going and dropping off three job applications, um, several of theirs goals have been coming to church. So several have come to church with us 
um, because they haven't been in a church building in a few years. Um, so a variety of different things, but the only, really our expectation of them is that they continue to work towards those goals. Um, we've been able to offer a lot of grace as far as financially and other things if, you know, if they're not able to provide for themselves within that six weeks, as long as they are moving forwards. You know, if they have some level of commitment towards bettering themselves, then our ministry wants to help them do that. So the first um, young lady, you guys were the mentors, but you've moved out of that role. You're more the executors of this thing. Talk about mentors, how you get mentors and what they are required to do uh, with a candidate. Sure, our mentors now, um, what we're doing is kind of, we're kind of the program people now. We've asked mentors to step in and kind of take the, the relational side because a young adult that has aged out of foster care probably doesn't have mom or any mom figure or a very limited mom or dad figure in their life to be able to call when they have needs. I mean, just even simple things like a cooking thing, a cooking question, or I forgot how to do my laundry or just little bitty things. And so our mentors basically commit to being in contact with the individual at least once a week, um, they kind of just are the lovers, the supporters, the encouragers, um, kind of that parent figure in a way. Um, realize an adult parent, you know, we try to give these kids as much, I call them kids, they're young adults, try to give these young adults as much freedom as they would, as any, we would give our own adult children. Um, so we treat them like adults, but we want to be able to provide the support and encouragement of family. And so some of our mentors have you know, eventually have invited the kids over and they do meals together once a week or it can look very different depending on the needs and the, the situation, but they're the support people. And then we kind of come in with a structure and you said uh, something to me the other day that, that not everybody is a fit for your program. Um, kind of talk about how you determine um, who, who's going to fit and who's not going to fit. So not everybody that ages out and is homeless, we're, you're, you're not able to help everybody, but you are able to help some. How do you make that determination? Yeah, I think for the most part, um, that desire to move forward, um, they have to have some level of commitment to their own personal growth. And, you know, we can't, we, nobody can be the motivator for somebody else to change. They have to have some level of desire to move forward and to change. And so, you know, we've kind of learned some of it through trial and error. And we're trying to just do this one little step at a time right now and not kind of get ahead of God. And so we're, we're learning and growing as we do this for sure. But, um, but yeah, they, they have to be committed to, to wanting help. And so there is, a, there is a process for removing them if they don't do their things. Um, what are some things that would, would forfeit their opportunity to be in your program? Well, I think one of the things connected to what she just said too is we really intentionally don't want Happy Children's to feel institutional in any capacity. And so with that, they get a lot more freedoms than they would if they had signed themselves into extended care. Um, and so we're there to support them, but not to guide them, if that makes sense. Or we're not to push them in a certain direction. And, and you said, how many strikes do you get? Five strikes. Five. So essentially, um, you know, there's certain things that if they happen in the trailer or with that person, it would be a kind of an immediate dismissal from the program if they have drugs in the trailer or something like that. Um, but then we have uh, developed a five strike system. And so if uh, 
financially if they get behind um, more than $500 in their rent and they they pay to be part of this after the first six weeks. They pay $300, that includes their rent and everything. Um, and so that if they get behind more than $500, then they could dis get dismissed from the program or they, as they're going along, if they or, uh, accumulate five smaller strikes, then they can be dismissed from the program. And like Heather said, though, with us, like if there's a, there's a lot of grace being given, if they get to there, we want these kids to be successful. So as long as they're on an upward trajectory, then we give ourselves a lot of latitude to kind of make those decisions as we're going, if you will. And, and it's been cool to watch God provide for those needs as they've come up. So that's, you know, it hasn't been an issue so far to be able to give grace when, when needed. So right now you have one trailer. Talk to us about what your biggest obstacles are for your future. I think um, the... For the future, we have a couple obstacles that we're kind of approaching right now. One um, is finding the kids because we know they're out there. In Anderson County, there's 200 kids in foster care, so there's going to be 20 kids aging out this year. Um, and then that's not even including the ones that Heather said that are not aging out technically but um, are needing resources like ours. And so these kids aren't, like she said, because they're so used to being part of an institution, they're not going to seek out another one to be a part of. And so... Uh, we need community people to, that know these kids' stories to direct them to us and to get them in contact with us because they're not going to just Google how to sign myself into Happy Trailer. So they're not going to find us like that. And so we've reached out to the um, law enforcement here, uh, school counselors, um, pastors, um, church families. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of you guys probably know someone that would be eligible for something like this. And so um, that's something we need is we just need people to make referrals to us. Um, once we get those referrals, we're gonna, we would need trailers. Um, and so at this point, like you said, we have one. Um, and I, when I've talked to CPS or CASA or other people, we've, we've kind of committed to if they have an eligible applicant that is the right person and the right fit, I have no doubt that we can find a place for them. Right. So, um, so the trailers and, and then financially supporting that first six weeks is kind of the, the first. Um, what does it step. cost you to support a, a a candidate for six weeks, six to eight weeks. Yeah, so it's about $1,000, um, we figured, to accept somebody into the program. That pays for, like, the toiletries and all the food, essentially, that we try to stock them with for the first six weeks, and their rent, electricity, all those things. So every time we accept an applicant, we're kind of committing $1,000 to, to them, which really, I mean, is very small in comparison, I mean, with just the, the limited overhead with campers, is just a, a great thing for being able to do this. So, but that is a challenge every time. And that makes us closely, you know, make sure that we're taking caution with who we accept into the program because we know it is a big financial commitment and we're asking people to give money to us. And so we, we try to very carefully decide if this person might be ready. And we're not always going to be right with that, but. Yeah. Right. If you go to their website, there is a wish list page. I was looking through the wish list. And, of course, there's trailers. There's, there's all these different things. Um, but one of the things that, that you're looking for is eventually to have a place of your own. Like you said, three acres where you could have trailers. Because talk about that. What is the cost just to, to put a trailer uh, in an RV park? So right now we've partnered with just local um, RV parks, and so we pay them $250 out of the 300 that that person pays to be part of the program. And so whatever percentage of that is, 250 of the 300 goes directly to that RV park, and that's the cheapest one in town. 
Um, and so it can go in from there to 350 for in Palestine. Um, so what, 90% of our costs or something near that goes right to the RV park. Um, oh, you mentioned something the other day about uh, they have an opportunity to purchase the trailer. Kind of talk about that. Yeah, and that's actually where the tiny homes, the idea with tiny homes started. Um, is something on wheels gives them the ability to take it with them. Um, and something that they can, and it allows us to minister to where those people already are. I mean, there's an RV park probably within 15 miles of everywhere in the U.S. And so um, we've had applicants come from, or referrals come from West Texas, and so we wouldn't be asking everybody to move to a brick-and-mortar location where we are. So we have the ability to go to them, which is wonderful. But then um, once they, if they complete their program or they're going through the program, they have the ability to purchase a trailer at a highly subsidized cost so then they can take it with them as jobs move, as their communities move, then they can stay with that, with those people in that, in that situation. How much did your first trailer cost? Um, we got a really good deal on it. It cost me $1,000. And so you're looking at trailers that are around $6,000. Tell, tell yeah. why. Why do you want that size trailer? Well, so we've, we've experimented a little bit, and what we think feels about right for the trailer is about 28 feet long or longer and really having one slide out makes a big difference it makes your living room actually feel like a living room and then the other thing that we really try to look for on in a trailer is a separation between where they're sleeping and where their living room would essentially be so then that way they have the ability to have people come into their trailer and have community or have friends over without having to sit on their bed you know which is two feet from their kitchen um and so it just makes it right it just makes it a little more homely for them um, and so, yes, yeah, so if you were to go today and look around Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, that's about the $6,500 um, trailer for the kind of the quality or what we're looking for minimally. And then um, the, the applicants have the ability to purchase that for $2,000 at the end of it. And if they stick through the program and purchase the trailer, it comes with everything in it. So they get pots and pans, the bicycle, everything, the, the tablet or computer, everything that we've stocked it with. And the bicycle, that's something. So you talked about transportation. You need, the, the trailer needs to be in a certain location. Why? Tell, talk about that. Transportation is one of the biggest um, hurdles for these young adults as they're starting. Um, Especially in rural areas like right. ours. Yeah, because they've got to get to jobs. They've got to get there on time. Um, they've, it allows them to build community in places if they're, if they're getting around. And so transportation, we've seen as the biggest burden and biggest hurdle for them, especially when you're looking at either crazy hot times or, or cold times or rainy, things like this. It's just hard to get to your job when you're doing things like that. So the, so the trailer park, even the RV park, has to be close enough that yeah. they can get to work if they only have a bicycle, if they have to walk. Um, but, but it, it, and I just want to fill in some here. One of the things that shocked me was he said, you know, when they, when they age out of this program, when we're talking basic skills, some of, them, some of them may never have boiled water. Some of them may never have made um, macaroni and cheese. Boiled water, macaroni cheese. One person that you had to add water to the Easy Mac before you put it in the microwave. Yeah. So never done that before. At and they didn't have anyone to call. And this is where mentors can be such a big deal. And even even when they've had some disciplinary things, they've now they are the the executive role, and so the mentor doesn't have to do that. Even when the, where they've had to do some discipline, um, the 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 candidate still talks to the mentor, uh, even though they may not talk to the bad guys who had to who had to do the discipline. That seems to me like wisdom. You know, you're you're removing yourself from that. Yeah, and because a lot of times when they the people that have kicked them out or had to 
say you can't be here any longer, that is that mentor family. So if it was a foster family or CPS is moving them. And so we wanted that clear distinction between this person that is loving you is not going to also be the person that says, sorry, you messed up, you have to go. And for us as Happy Trailers, organizationally, there is some times where we can't offer the amount of grace that the mentor family can, right? Because we have to protect, like Heather said, the interests of people that are donating money and the interests of the organization as a whole. But they're still able to maintain that loving relationship with that individual mentor or mentor family. So one of the things that I think is really cool about this um, is, is the fact that it's scalable anywhere, right? So, so they can go and they could teach somebody in, in West Texas about it. They can go back. They were, they were camp directors up in uh, or worked at a camp in Oklahoma, and they can go to Oklahoma and do those things. It would be something where even if um, we're not ready for you to leave, go anywhere yet, but let's say that our church gets involved, they could then have some people here who were trained, and we could continue to be a part of Happy Trailers for years. And it goes back to this, what I was saying. What we're doing today, what this, this interview is not about today. It's about the second, third, fourth generation. It's about something that 100 years from now, one of these kids, great, great grandkids could say, you know, and, and I'm not trying to over-dramatize this. I'm just saying there's ripple effects. And I want to be involved. Our church, I believe, wants to be involved in things that, that don't just make one little ripple and die. They go on for, for years. Yeah, and that's absolutely one of the things that when we were, I was actually writing a grant application and in, in talking about Happy Trailers, like Happy Trailers has the ability not to just put a roof over someone's head, but like you were saying, it has the ability to break the cycle of poverty or mental or physical abuse. Um, because it's, it, if you don't break the chain somewhere, then it's just going to continue. And so this is, has the potential to break the chain for those people. And so one of the things I talked to them about was when they, when they stock the trailer, um, I've seen it on Facebook. I'm friends with them on Facebook, so I've watched this, the, the organization kind of grow. Um, so Hope Station has been involved, and Hope Station, Brandon has said, if you need things, just let us know, because so many people give to Hope Station, and, and Brandon has a heart for folks. We also talked about um, Brandon is looking for places for, for um, homeless to go, because that's part of what Hope Station does, and they don't have a place where... where the homeless folks can go temporarily to get help. And so, so there's just all kinds of possibilities from this. So, so my hope today is that some of you were going to hear this and you're going to go, oh, this, my heart beats a little bit faster and I want to be involved in that. I could be a mentor or I could, I could help. You know, there's, there's folks here who could help um, clean and renovate trailers. There's folks here who may have trailers who you could donate or you could give it to the, the you could sell it at a very reasonable price. The, the, my dream is that this just goes out and kind of goes crazy, and this just becomes another way that new life can be involved in, in ministry outside the walls, right? So, so here's kind of my, my thought today, and, and if anything else comes up, uh, okay. you, you just wave your hand. So, so I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to read a couple of verses. Nate, uh, put that first verse up there. This is... So it says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. One of the things I like about Brad and Heather is, is they, they didn't come to me with this. They didn't, they didn't even really, they're not promoting themselves. They're doing this so that, so that an 18 year old, 19, 21 year old who is homeless might have a place to stay. And when you do things like that, who gets the glory? It's not them. It's our heavenly father. And so 
I want, when we go to Quail Valley, when we did that, that was all for God's glory. When we go be the church on October 11th, that is for God's glory. It's not a suggestion. It's what the church is supposed to be about. And so I want to be that church that, that is always serving, that is always looking for opportunities to serve. And, and the other thing is I had absolutely nothing to do with this, right? I had absolutely nothing to do with our clothing and food um, giveaway getting started in this church. Absolutely nothing. That was a couple that was here said, hey, we've got some extra clothes. We need to do something with it years ago. That couple's no longer here. We still are doing it. We still are ministering to people. It, it has nothing to do with me, but it does. My part is to promote it so that people get involved in that. So um, next verse, what's the next one? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I know that, that society says at 18 or 19 they're adults, but if they've come through the system, do they really know how to function as an adult? In my opinion, they're orphans. If they're homeless, that's unacceptable. And so if we want to have the type of religion that God our Father looks down and says, yes, I am pleased with that, then we have to reach out to orphans and widows in their distress and, and, and not be polluted by the world. Now, this one is actually on their website. Go to the next one. Isaiah 117, and it's the New Living Translation. I looked it up. I couldn't, y'all didn't put that on there. Um, Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. This is what they're trying to do, and I believe that's kind of a microcosm of what the church is supposed to do. We are supposed to be about serving. We are supposed to be about doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. The, the type of people, I think, uh, let me think, it's I'm trying to remember my memory verse. It says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble at my word. Um, the, reason, the reason I'm kind of on a little bit of a soapbox right now is, is because um, I'm about to call some people out. Not by name, I wouldn't do that. But here's the deal. I have, I have no patience for people who run their mouths but never do anything about anything. Right, so we, we, we went down to Quail Valley and, and somebody may say, oh, why'd you go down there? Well, if you went down there and served, then you have the right, in my opinion, to, to critique what we did. If you didn't go down there, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but you got nothing to say because you weren't there. If, um, if you go with us to be the church and, and we're serving in this community and you say, hey, could we do this? Could we do this? Then you have every right. But if you don't go, then you have no right. So shut up. I think that's in the scripture. I don't know. I know it's be still, but maybe there's a shut up translation, right? I mean, I'm serious about this. If you don't go on a, on a foreign mission trip with us, you got no right to talk about that foreign mission trip. Because here's what happens, this, and I'm just, I do get really fired up about this. So when we first, the first year we went to Haiti, there was an individual in our church said, why are we going to Haiti? We don't do anything around here. The irony is we had just been to Eula's house and just done the first be the church thing right before we, I mean, the Sunday before we went to Haiti, we had just gone out into a neighborhood and I ran into somebody the other day and said, I remember when you came to my neighborhood. That was 2010. That was 10 years ago. And this individual, the problem was the individual was looking at himself. The individual gave no money 
to any of our endeavors, never served, but thought he had the right to run his mouth. You got no right to run your mouth. If y'all feel uncomfortable with this, y'all can, can step down. Um, uh, sorry. I, I mean, I, I'm serious about this. I'm going to call people out. If, if you, um, evidently we, uh, it is 11 o'clock. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I told the leadership last week, one of the things I love about doing church at 11 and not having a second service is for most preachers, a clock is useless on the wall because, you know, if we have a second service, we got to get out. Um, put, the, put that last statement up there, would you? I read this in my, in my quiet time today. So, so my, I, I just finished Malachi today. So I, my study in the Old Testament, I finished, I'm starting the New Testament um, tomorrow and it's taken me about four years to get through the Old Testament. And I just take a section and, and, and I read and I write and, and I pray. And so this, this is what jumped out to me from, from my, my uh, devotional time. He was talking about, Malachi was talking to the people, all right? So the people have come back from Babylon. They've been in, in um, captivity for 70 years. They came back. The company of the concerned came back, right? Millions of people were cast out of Israel. Only 50,000 came back. They were the remnant. They were the ones who didn't just talk. They came to do something. And, and then even when they came back, they got their eyes off of God and they started looking at the nations around them. They started serving other gods. And, and so Warren Wearsby, my favorite commentator, said this, they missed their opportunity to glorify God. And if you miss your opportunity to glorify God, don't you blame me, don't you blame New Life Community Church. You look right in the mirror and you blame yourself because we're gonna do things that serve the kingdom of God. We're gonna serve in such a way that people outside these walls see our deeds and they glorify our heavenly father and they say, I wanna serve a God like that. Bow your heads. Father, it's high time. You said that judgment begins with the household of God and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? We want to obey the gospel of God. We want to be a people who serves and doesn't talk about serving. We want to people who, be a people who love and don't talk about loving. We want to be a people who pour out grace to orphans and widows in their distress. And we want to be a people who keeps ourselves unstained by the world. God, raise up some men and some women who take seriously your word who tremble at your word. And if your word says forgive, they're gonna forgive. And if your word says don't gossip, they're not gonna gossip. And if your word says go, they're gonna go. God, make new life that type of church. I pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's give Brad and Heather a hand. Thank you for being here today. You can find more information at their website, happytrailers.org. And so I, don't, I have no idea where this is going. But I believe that, that when you see a place where God is at work, you're supposed to join him. That's your invitation to join him. So whatever we're going to do, um, we're praying about it and we're going to be involved in this. I'm going to be involved in this personally, but I believe our church is being called to be involved in this as well. Um, so next week we start a brand new series, If Money Could Talk, Four Things It Would Say to You. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. thought it was an appropriate time to, to go. Do you say, oh, no? 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Money's going to talk to you from the Word of God next week. So don't forget, um, we are, we're praying about small groups, how and when we're going to do that. We do have men's Bible study and women's Bible study. It's in this uh, building. The women are in the, in the uh, youth room on the end. Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock. The next room over is where the men are going to meet on, on Tuesday nights. We're just trying to do social distancing. We, uh, we, we now have an HDMI cord so the men don't have to sit around a, a computer like this and not social distance. But um, anyway, so come and join us on those things, um, but be ready. We're going to be serving in the next several weeks, and we want you to be involved. As always, we have one basket at the back. If you need to, if you need to do the, the paper money or the, the check, we have a joy basket at the back. That's how you can give. Um, those of you who are in the, are in the 21st century and want to give online, uh, we have push pay. And so you can get that and you can give online anytime. When, when you give, as always a portion of our, of our giving, our income, goes to world missions through the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. It goes to local missions, and then we, we are involved in other things. So we, we give a little bit to um, Hope Station. We give a little bit to Rock Bottom Ranch that's here in town. It's a, it's a recovery area for ladies who, who uh, need a place to go and stay and, and recover. So there's always a portion of your income that goes to serve in, in the world. Um, and let's be praying about how we can help with happy trailers. Stand up and be socially distant and safe. You are dismissed.